0: Hey everyone, I'm Hannah, this is Kilton we Upbringing. Welcome to uh, our live Q&A. It's a special one. It's a special one. It's a birthday Q&A. We're about to be 40. What? Yep. And we're about to launch our membership. All of it's happening the collective. this weekend. It's a, it's a big weekend for us. It really is. So we wanted to pop on and say hello, answer some questions that we've been getting in our DMs. our story stickers and from all of you here this evening, hello, please type anything uh, that's going on with you. Ask us anything. We -hmm. we did a couple stories earlier saying it could be something personal, it could be something professional, it could be something about our parenting. We very often like to talk about you and all of your (laughs) challenges and I think it's fun every now and then to turn that right around on us a little bit Mm -hmm. um, and share a little bit about ourselves thank you for the birthday wishes mm-hmm. let's dive right in shall we okay are we gonna do these kind of rapid fire i think we should this is impromptu we have not discussed any of <laughs> no, these, we so we'll have see what happens let's see someone said please explain the color inspo for clothes mm. i think they're talking about our clothes probably i would assume we don't have color inspo for our kids clothes. those of you listening on the podcast kelty and i wear uh, different color spectrums most of the time mm-hmm. you can find me hannah in reds pinks oranges mm-hmm. those types of colors the warmer colors yeah. and you can find kelty in the blues greens purples the grays those types of colors i feel funny talking about us it, it does feel it feels really a little weird. bit weird well let's go through these quick we can go then. through these quick <laughs> okay yeah i feel like this is a, c- a c- color spectrumy thing that that our parents did with us for us when we were kids and throughout our lives Alternatingly, we've kind of picked it up and dropped it and picked it up and dropped it. Mm-hmm. And it's just felt really good the last couple of years. That's mm-hmm. my fast answer for that. Mm-hmm. What do you got? <laughs> it just makes, it feels like me. That's why, that's why cool. we do it. Yeah, totally. Just kind of happened. Someone here said, we're working hard on just sitting with our, their, our feelings and helping our six year old understand that it's totally okay to be upset. We can own our feelings and still be safe. Mm. Yeah. And own our feelings as in, you know, not be our feelings, not feel shame for our feelings. Not but need to take responsibility. Be aware of them. Mm-hmm. Notice them. Right. Hold space for those. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's see a couple other questions. Feel free, those of you who are coming in right now on the live Q and A, to ask us anything. Right? About mm-hmm. parenting. About our work and upbringing. Hi, from from Bulletproof Kids um, about us, about life, anything Mm -hmm. at all, we'll be here for maybe half an hour to answer those questions and connect with you all. Good to see you, Alistair. Let's see, how did you come to do this work? Grateful someone else writes in. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of a long answer, Mm -hmm. which I think we've, we probably have a few podcast episodes on our backstory a little bit, but essentially, we came to do this work when Kelsey's daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Not quite so when my daughter was born like six or eight months earlier, but really when I had my baby and then Kelty had her first child and we our daughters were very, very different, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about that a lot this, next, this upcoming week, I think. Yeah, it was like yeah. night and day and I think that mm-hmm. that when my daughter came and then within a couple years my son came after, I think it was a big realization to us that uh, the way we engaged with our kids meant everything and that no kid is the same as others. Mm -hmm. And that some challenge us, aren't more challenging, aren't hard, aren't bad, aren't too much, but Mm -hmm. challenge us as people to be growing our skills, to be building patience, problem-solving skills, to be learning and reading up on how to support sensitive and strong-willed kids' nervous systems Mm -hmm. and their little hearts and souls. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of our big transition um through our, through parenting and to kind of journey into this work that was eight years ago yeah i can't yeah. even believe it eight someone years else ago. had said what did you both do before having kids <clears throat> uh, we did yeah. a lot of things mm-hmm. yeah we came from from kind of a, a mixed background most recently before, like right before we had kids we were working together as the weaver house doing photography and web design um and branding for local companies Um, Shooting a lot of weddings and portraits and fun stuff like that. I mean, we've been, Kelty and I have been Mm -hmm. working together and in conjunction Mm -hmm. for our whole lives. So we've always, since we were little, done projects Mm -hmm. together, um, brainstormed ideas for new things, our uh, projects, our books, all sorts of stuff together. So I think when I look back, it makes total sense that we would end up being here together, doing this work together. Maybe not in the child uh, realm and the parenting Mm -hmm. realm. We never would have guessed that. But I think it makes sense that we work together. I came from a a science and research background. I worked at OHSU here in Portland running a research lab that studied people's brains, their impulsivity, um, hepatitis C, a bunch of other different things, um, which was a great opportunity. It was awesome. I started grad school. I dropped out of grad school. I started doing fun stuff with Kelty instead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Started living, living my best life, basically. And the rest is history. Yeah. Okay. Um, any, what are the other questions? Let's see. Anything else, Kind of of the personal realm and then mm. we can get into kind of parenting stuff a little. Yeah. Um, what do your husbands do and are they best friends? Someone asked. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them best friends, but they like each other quite a bit and spend time well together. I feel like that's the most we could ask from, mm-hmm. you know, non Jane Austen siblings, husband. know we <laughs> tried, we tried so hard to marry brothers. We tried oh, man. so hard and it just didn't work. So, um, I'd say that our, our situation with my husband Alex and Kelsey's Justin is mm-hmm. is, is very secure, healthy, mm-hmm. balanced, all the things. Yeah, if they liked each other as much as we liked each other, that could be problematic. We'd probably never <clears> see <throat> them. Who would take care of the kids? I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We have, again, another podcast episode on how we all live on the farm together <clears throat> and mm-hmm. how we figure out our relationships, like our twin relationship in comparison to our marital relationships mm-hmm. and parenting relationships. Um, what podcast was it on committed? I think was the podcast so mm-hmm. we can link that later in the show notes. I think it's on our website but under speaking. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to learn more about that, we're being kind of briefed do tonight. Do that's kind of a complicated oh, topic too. Gosh. I mean, don't ask us what anybody does because we are, it's like, we we're really, 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 hard pressed to (laughs) define people's jobs appropriately. I would say, Mm -hmm. um, my husband works, he's like in video sound editing, sound design, video editing, video design. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. For a, a, not a bank, not a bank. No. Um, what's it called (laughs) credit union? union. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he loves making movies um, he Alex, my husband, does all of our music for upbringing and um, videos and things like that, especially a lot of the videos and courses that are going to be coming up here mm-hmm. so we're very grateful for him in numerous ways. yeah My husband Justin has been running our mm-hmm. our farm, which we just moved off of for the last nine years, and in the last few has been working um, at a kind of a healthcare startup mm-hmm. um, as one of the founders and helps um, kind of reduce violence for um mm-hmm. essential workers like nurses and doctors and people like that yeah so that's how our, did i do on that those are our partners pretty solid much here. better than i did <laughs> for sure someone said hello ernie's four and a half years now wow. wow and he's still pretty resistant to engage with friends parents that we've known since babyhood i want him to socialize but want to respect his boundaries mm. love that i love, love that. that let's get into to talking about some um some folks' questions and Mm -hmm. um, how we can support you all. Any other personal ones that we can jot off real quick? Mm, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. All the twin facts, similarities, differences, ways your upbringing shaped you. So that's like that's a very long one, Mm -hmm. uh, but a great question. And then I think someone asked about all of our house stuff that's going on, Mm -hmm. which we're moving, we've made the move essentially to a new property. Um, an orchard great. property where we're all going to live together, um, and do the, the kind of cohabiting in our separate respective mm-hmm. homes thing. Um, so that should be taking shape officially in the next month or two. So that's new. Um, we feel very grateful to be, to be together again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Someone said, Hey guys, remember me, my dad and I were struggling with communication. Yeah. I remember that mm-hmm. from a he finally apologized for the way he treated me when setting a boundary. That's mm. so great to hear. Thanks for updating that on It must have felt really good to hear that from him because mm-hmm. we don't always get those apologies, right? Sometimes we, we never get those apologies from our parents, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. So let's go back to Ernie, who is four and a half, still pretty resistant to engage with friends' parents. Yeah, and you're wanting mm-hmm. him to socialize. That's a... That yes. desire we all have for mm-hmm. for our babies, our toddlers, our kids, our adolescents, our preteens, our social. partners. Come on, please please get out there, enjoy people, let people enjoy please. you. Yeah, be sociable and pleasant. Make me proud. Yeah. Let me like watch you be in, in relationship world. and in the world in yeah. a way that's smooth and easygoing. We all want that for our kids, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't always happen that way as quickly as we would hope. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so many things that we're sure you're doing in supporting Ernie in building that comfort because comfort and security is the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. When we want to encourage our kids to do anything, they need to feel safe first before they're able to move forward or do anything, right? I love that you mentioned respecting his boundaries. And I think that, that that should be at the forefront of all of our minds when we're thinking about wanting things for our kids that maybe they're not wanting right now. And I think our, our, yeah, our knee jerk kind of, um, go to idea is to say, be social, go say hi, tell them about yourself. You like this thing too, right? Or let's go over and connect and chat and to kind of push those things along to make them 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 happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you point to the idea, Hannah, of safety and how can we be thinking about Ernie's boundaries and about feeling safe in order to, be flexing those boundaries a little bit Mm -hmm. as is feeling more comfortable. What can we be doing? We can be telling stories about these people. We can be, um, showing photos between visits. We can be showing Ernie that they're safe to us by walking over and hanging out with them and enjoying them, right? Basically Mm -hmm. doing all these things around the edges other than pushing our child into the limelight, into that situation maybe before they're ready. Or allowing those people to push into his personal space. Love it, right? Yes. So it's so great you're thinking about, this is a boundary issue, this is a consent issue, this is a mm-hmm. safety issue. And you mm-hmm. feel very close to these people and trust these people, mm-hmm. but he is a different person. And so mm-hmm. his trajectory and journey to building relationship with them is gonna be different. Mm-hmm. So, but that's really tricky. Yeah. I think that's happened with us often. Even a co- one of my close friends once said, because, you know, I think your daughter's never really warmed up to me or liked me very much. And I was like, what? Like, I always just thought that you got, that she's slow to warm and that she loves all the people that I love, Mm -hmm. but that she just doesn't have that same quick relationship or that quick warm up or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it can be really tricky when those people that are in our lives can kind of come back with some judgments or some what's up with them or hey, why don't they come hang out or Mm -hmm. do they not like me? Or all of those things can be really tricky too. Yeah, hang in there. Mm -hmm. Deep breaths, just keep doing it little by little. And like Kelsey said. It can be both. Respect his boundaries and want that for him so much. Mm -hmm. It can be those both things. Yeah. Let me see, there was one back here. Somebody had said, best attitude to raise special needs kiddos. Mm. That's a great question, mm-hmm. a great question. We don't, we don't have special needs kids, so I don't want to speak for um, mm. to that specifically or or as a as a parent of someone with serious special needs. Mm-hmm. but I think with any of our kids who are on that kind of neurodiverse, sensitive, strong will um, temperament spectrum. I think the best attitude that we can adopt is meeting our kids where they are and how they are. Acceptance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways. Yeah. That's what comes to my mind first, but I'd love to hear what other people have.
1: Mm -hmm. What's the best
0: attitude for raising a special needs kid for raising any kid. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that answer Mm -hmm. is definitely within you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think about our kids needs and our needs, What's going to help meet those needs best, Mm -hmm. theirs and ours, and that's the attitude we need to find a way to cultivate and and nurture little by little. And then Mm -hmm. attitude can't just be this like, you know, slapped on fake veneer. It has to be something something. (laughs) that takes some time to develop, and that's okay, right? It might feel a little artificial at first, or it might feel like it's impossible at first right? We talk a lot in upbringing and in our upcoming community about the role, right? Mm -hmm. And the role that the way we show up with our kids is influenced by our beliefs and our goals about them. Mm -hmm. And so, so much about it is doing that early work in what do I believe about my child, right? And their Mm -hmm. needs and their wiring and their behaviors, right? And their feelings. And then based on that belief, what's my goal in supporting them? And that's my attitude, right? And then my role is how I show up with that attitude and not always perfectly, right? That's Mm -hmm. not, that's not the way it goes, right? It's just over and over that progress over perfection type situation practice. Yeah. Someone said, any ideas on how to help sensitive four and a half year old who has an aggressive classmate? He's very upset, hurt, and angry about it. He's never been hurt physically by another person. So this is all new. Mm. Oh, that can be tricky if if a um, kid doesn't have a sibling or just hasn't been put into any of those situations where they might be yeah. um, getting a little, a little beat up on. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that a, a great question will be to connect with the folks who are caregiving for them at school mm-hmm. to say if there's a classmate who is aggressive, mm-hmm. right? And um, who's hurting my child or any kid physically, I feel like you need to be closer to this child to help support mm-hmm. them because we can't put the onus on a four and a half year old to protect themselves and set personal boundaries in an expert way right now or yet. So I think one prong would be connecting with the school to say, this kid isn't bad. That's, you know, harming my mm-hmm. child. This kid needs extra support. I hope you can give that kid that mm-hmm. so that my child and other kids can feel safe to interacting yeah. and doing that. And then the second part would be with our child. What we can, what we yeah. can do. I think our kids in those moments look to us. Tell me how should I feel about this? Should I be upset, hurt, and angry about it? That could be one feeling that our kids are having. And I think we never want to negate those feelings if that's how they're feeling, Mm -hmm. but I think that we can explore those feelings that they have. Oh, you feel hurt. Tell me more. You feel angry. What makes you angry about that? That must've been surprising. Walk me through what happened, create a safe space for them to storytell if needed over and over and over again to process what happened. How can we be that safe landing space, that neutral perspective Mm -hmm. where we're not demonizing the other child, we're not defending the other child, we're holding space. And then can we offer some kind of neutral questions to perspective take. I wonder what this kid was going through. I wonder what they were needing. Mm -hmm. I wonder what was happening at home for them. Not to necessarily excuse those behaviors, right? But to kind of help our kids step into that empathetic mind frame of, Somebody who's hurting other people is hurting inside. Mm -hmm. So what's happening with them? And and then we can work towards helping our child set personal boundaries themselves. Right? Mm -hmm. Lifelong skill. What can you do? Mm -hmm. Did you notice what was happening before he hit you or she, whoever? Did they start making grunting noises? Did they get too close? Mm -hmm. What was happening right before? Hmm. I'm wondering if when you notice those signs of something going on inside them, right? Their body's feeling really uncomfortable. They're feeling some stress, right? What can you do? And then we want, we give some space and they're like, fuck, I don't know. They have no idea. So "Mm." well, something that I do sometimes if I'm around people who are getting too close or who I don't know what might, what they might do is I take a little space myself. So we might go sit on the other side of the room. Do you feel like that's something you could do with this kid? What else could you do? You could use Mm -hmm. your words first, please move farther away or, I don't want to play right now. I need space or yeah, this isn't feeling comfortable or safe to me or you just go straight straight to the teacher teacher and say, I need space from my friend. Mm -hmm. Right? So how can we be working with our kids to one empathize with a struggling kid who's hurting them or even just be aware of it. Just be aware of what might be going on with them or for them. Yeah. And then two, be protecting themselves with their own personal boundaries, either verbal or physical. I mean, this is essentially teaching our kids something we're learning as parents, which is loving Mm -hmm. limits. Mm -hmm. How do we honor and respect another person and their needs and their struggle and their abilities and limitations? Mm -hmm. And how do we meet our own needs and stand up for ourselves, right? And Mm -hmm. set those personal boundaries. And again, most of us came from places where we put all of the onus on the other person, we demonize them and we say, you need to stop talking to me that way and stop being this close to me and hurting me. And this isn't okay, instead of saying, I don't like that, so I'm going to make the changes and the movements myself. You bring up personal. You bring up a great topic that we're going to talk about a lot in the upbringing collective, yeah. which is what is a boundary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is something that a lot of us who are um, like reading up on our personal growth books and all of this stuff are kind of exploring because yeah. a lot of people who come to the community think I gave them a boundary. I said, "Don't talk to me that way." I put a boundary on them, and I said, "You cannot hit your baby sibling," and we're like. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's not really a boundary, right. right? That's a limit. And it's really hard to limit and control another person, especially mm-hmm. when they're really little and struggle to change up their behavior according to what our needs are or our beliefs are. Yeah. It's tricky. So a boundary is a personal thing.
1: And I think mm-hmm. that it's
0: a great reminder. Like you said, Hannah, it puts the onus on us to say, I'm not okay with that. So I'm going to move my body. I'm not okay with that noise. So I'm going to move somewhere quiet. I'm not liking this proximity. So I'm going to step aside or create some space between us, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps. Yeah. Allison said, thank you. Great ideas about being neutral for him. I feel angry about it too. Yeah. Yeah. And so also separating our feelings about the situation from our child's experience and saying, Mm -hmm. I don't want to color their experience and say, you're a victim. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're a victim. (sighs) Right. What we want to say is, wow, I'm again, honor them. I'm so sorry that happened. That must have bothered you. It sounds like it did. I wonder what, why that happened and what can we do about it? Mm -hmm. Right? So we want to be that, that inner voice that our kids will ultimately have Mm -hmm. we're cultivating that right now with them saying Mm -hmm. when something uncomfortable happens, when they're older, we don't want them to immediately go into a shame or blame spiral. They are wrong. They did it. Poor me. I'm so upset about this. Mm -hmm. We want them to be cool, calm, collected. Hey, that happened that didn't feel good to me. Hmm. Why did that happen? Like, am I okay? And then why did that happen? I mean, what can I do not to meet this other person's needs or excuse their behavior, but to meet my needs in a way that works for both of us Mm -hmm. life skills, baby for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And I love that not to put more pressure on teachers. They're, they're struggling and and have a lot to juggle for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. but speaking as the, uh, the parent of a person who has pushed kids or bitten kids or done those things too, Mm Both sides of the, of the playing field there, parents can ask the teacher and say, can we get a little more attention and support for this one child who's obviously struggling, who's hitting more, who's biting more, who's pushing more, who's noi- noisier. Who's not not more shame and punishments, mm-hmm. more support. Yeah, More support, yeah. yeah. Bella, hello. You said, we've just moved. Woo, no more downstairs neighbor drama. Oh, good. And the boys, five and a half and almost four, are now sharing a room, clearly having a lot of transition tension move, fall activities, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Any tips for how to ease into room sharing, respecting one another's bedtimes and wake times, personal spaces, etc.? Oh man, this this would be a great That's conversation, a very large conversation mm-hmm. in uh, our upcoming coaching. And you've done our, our small group coaching, so it'll be very similar to that, Bella, mm-hmm. uh, in our membership community coming up. It's such a great topic being like, wow, when we have these transitions happening mm-hmm. with school, with which we have a few questions I think on school transitions Mm -hmm. with a new bedroom, with a new bedtime routine, the new sibling, with a new sibling, Mm -hmm. maybe all of these types of things like how, what do we do? How do we support the transition? It's not, how do we make it perfect and go Mm -hmm. smoothly right from the beginning? Because that's just not possible, but how do we support both kids? Right. And, and also remember that this is going to take a little bit of time, And it's going to be kind of an ebb and flow type process Mm -hmm. where they learn not by being told and protected that you need to do this and you need to do this in Mm -hmm. each of your bed spaces and don't be loud and be quiet here and this and that. But allowing them to kind of learn from actually Mm -hmm. doing it, Mm -hmm. actually waking one another up here or there, Mm -hmm. actually being woken up, actually crossing boundaries into each other's beds or play spaces or all of those things. I love that you point out that we have this idea of like, can I just hedge all of this ahead Mm -hmm. of time? Can I just make sure that I plan this all out so that we have no issues? And I think that it's such a hard reminder, but a liberating one in some ways to say, all of the challenges that come up are growth points anything that, that goes quote unquote wrong or that we quote unquote struggle with or our kids do are opportunities for growth and for connection and for problem solving through it. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately it's always great to think, well, what would be the ideal scenario for my five mm-hmm. and my four and a half year old? If I can picture it in my mind, what would it look like? What would it feel like? Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, that's so great. We're going to get there and it's not going <laughs> to happen you're gonna right say away. we're never going to get no. there. <laughs> we're going to get there, but I can't expect that right away yeah. and say, what can I expect right away? I can expect what I observe. So start observing. Get into that kind of um, detective mode in data where you're saying each night is a grand experiment, which it's a lot of pressure and really Mm -hmm. hard high stakes to put experiments after 4 or 5 p.m. because we're Mm -hmm. all fried. Mm -hmm. Our kids don't do so well either. But Mm -hmm. if you're trying to combine them to a room, then it is grand experiment Mm -hmm. and it's going to be happening in the evenings, right? I think my biggest recommendation for this question about putting this Uh, almost four and five and a half year old in one room together and it being this new thing is to ask more questions than you do give Mm -hmm. solutions and talk or lecture. And I think that with those ages, they are primed to be part of this kind of like new, like whatever you call it, the clubhouse, the nest, the treehouse, the whatever, this building of this new culture in their bedroom together. And how can we be portraying that as this like really sacred special thing that they get to build alongside us, Mm -hmm. right? And we ask more questions. What do you guys think about for space? How do you guys feel about crossing sides? Do you guys wanna get these spots and maybe you'll switch sometime? What do you guys think? Like, If he goes to sleep and then you're awake, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Everything can come out in questions. What would be the plan for that? Mm -hmm. If you're needing this and he's needing that, Mm -hmm. how would we wanna play this? Mm -hmm. Or what if you're sleeping and you hear your brother up and awake Do you feel like you might be able to just kind of turn over and try to go back to sleep? Are the blinds dark enough? What else can we do? And like you said, Hannah, thinking of it as this kind of like grand adventure and experiment for for your sons to be on the journey of with you. Mm -hmm. Is it sons? I can't remember, Bella. I think it is. for your kiddos? Hey, Katie. Hey, Katie. But yeah, I think with bedtime, with any of these things, again, it's kind of saying, just like we were talking about with this person who is... um, trying to support Mm -hmm. their kid who was kind of getting um, harmed a little bit at school Mm -hmm. is saying, how can I, instead of taking over the situation and owning it and centering myself and trying to control it, how can I sit back and ally with them as their support staff, what we call the sensitive support staff, Mm -hmm. and say, what can I do to support both of you? Instead of saying, I know what you guys both need, and -hmm. I'm going to put this control and expectation on you which then very often can pit our kids against one another Mm -hmm. and get into that kind of victim and aggressor cycle. You woke me up. You're not ready to go to sleep. You Mm -hmm. this, you that, right? Mm -hmm. I think another thing besides connecting with our kids in that way that I love you suggested, Kelsey, is also saying what can we do behind the scenes, not putting that pressure on the kids Mm -hmm. to go to sleep well, very um, easily together right away, but what else can we do? So if the kids are showing us based on our observations and our detective work, Mm -hmm that they wake up, one of them wakes up when the other one wakes up at night, what can we do to say, can one of us go in there really quickly and grab the Mm -hmm. other one? Or if they struggle with bedtimes and falling Mm -hmm. asleep, can we do a staggered bedtime routine where maybe one falls asleep in their bed that really needs that, and the other one can fall asleep in our bed and then we move them over mm-hmm. after that. And maybe that's the first kind of mm-hmm. transitional element into multiple transitions. I think mm-hmm. oftentimes we're like, the transition is all of a sudden sleeping together. To a big boy bed, <laughs> right. sleeping together and in one room, forgetting that there can be a lot of little steps in between. That does not mean it's a failure. It does not mean mm-hmm. it's even going to take longer necessarily. It could mm-hmm. actually mean that it will move along a lot more smoothly mm-hmm. if we can break that into smart goals department of community yeah. hello said Ooh, first week of Personally. kindergarten rough on both me and him oh sorry to hear that so hard to he- hear mm-hmm. uh, someone else wrote a sticker let me see uh three-year-old went back to school also mm-hmm. resisting sad at drop off and totally burnt out by pickup plus on that also sensitive kid who consistently resists toothbrushing how to support a spirited child when they turn away and close their mouth
1: that sounds mm. like a
0: good uh, speaking of yeah. personal boundaries and someone else said <clears throat> how to help a child that's anxious and resisting going to school yeah, yeah. so some school challenges gosh yeah what was uh, what was so hard the first week i mean the, the list goes on right yeah. first week back at school can be really tricky oh, yeah. i love that everyone's bringing this up and i think that it's a great moment to just remind ourselves not that everyone's stressed out, because I think that's pretty clear to everybody. <laughs> everyone's feeling stressed the first couple weeks of school, the first month, whatever these transitions are. Stress, 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 stress. And I think that once we've acknowledged that, which is very evident, can we then say, how can we cut ourselves and each other some slack through this transitional time? How can, can we our... create security yeah. among, around the insecurity of this new transition? Yeah, but that's, right. what, that's where my brain goes first, is what can we take off everyone's plate? How can we make things feel and be easier with this new transition, which feels like more that's piling up those little micro stressors all day at school where they're holding it together, right? That's piling up the pressure and the the anticipation of being in a classroom, being with a teacher, seeing friends, being in a new caregiving situation, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How can we be controlling less and trusting more in all those other realms aside from school, including toothbrushing. So I think I love that this person brought him together resisting sad at drop off burnt out at pick up all these things also turning away and closing their mouth. My immediate like suggestion is don't make them brush their teeth if they're struggling with school. And I think Hannah would probably say here's some other ways to work on it. And my own personal reaction is let don't it go. make them brush their teeth. Let it go for now. Let it go for now. Yeah. Right? If they won't pick up their room, let it go for now. Right. we'll get yeah. on it once they're doing better and once they're settled if mm-hmm. we can just give you all that permission mm-hmm. whether there's a stressful situation of transition underfoot as a family or yeah. not yeah I it's okay to let it go hey, for now it's okay i think that so often i mean when our kids are struggling through any of these transitions so that could be starting a new school or daycare situation mm-hmm. that could be moving that could be yeah, starting in a new bedroom or doing a new night be having a new baby sibling or a sibling that's starting to walk and get all over the place, which is a big bump for mm-hmm. kids. It could often. be any of those things. And I think that Kelty always talks about reduce your expectations, right? And reduce your demand, reduce your demands. So lower expectations, mm-hmm. reduce demands, essentially. And I always think of what is this child needing? What's their nervous system needing? And how can we support it? So if we're not letting it all go and saying, you don't have to brush your teeth, you can just hit your sibling. You don't have to sleep in your new bedroom. You know, you don't have to go to school, right? If we don't feel comfortable or able to do that yet or ever, then what are we gonna do to work on this with our child? And again, so much about this is, and this is what we're going to talk about so much in these longer form conversations and long threads, which we're finally going to have off Instagram in the upbringing collective, right? Thank you. Kelsey. You're welcome. Um, is all the things, the spectrum of what we can do, where we get curious and think, what is my child's body experiencing when it's going to go into school and is stressed out? And how can I get at the support that it needs so that it can feel more at ease and integrated to get to school? What can I do when my more. child end school and is struggling after all those micro stressors and holding it together all day. What can I do to support their nervous system after school that can help segue them into a lovely evening where they can Mm -hmm. actually sit and eat dinner, where they can actually go into the bathroom and feel okay, putting a toothbrush in their mouths, right? So much about this is about honoring our kids, nervous systems and understanding that all the demands on them throughout the day can't Mm -hmm. be reasoned with in a top down way. They actually have to be supported from a bottom up way, from a mm-hmm. body to brain way. Mm-hmm. That's what helps them make sense is feeling safe in their bodies, right? So that would be one of the biggest things that I would suggest with these tricky transitions for mm-hmm. the, for Bella's kids who are in the same bedroom, mm-hmm. for the child who is struggling to get into school, for the child who is struggling to brush their teeth at the end of the day. We had a few other examples I'm I, trying to remember now. I love that now. you're bringing up mm-hmm. this idea of mm-hmm. respecting and honoring their nervous system as a fact on its own and also to hopefully ease the stress, the transitions, all of the things. And I wanna also just bring this back too to the fact that we need to respect our kids' rights, like basic human rights. Most of them didn't choose to go to school, right? They didn't choose when to eat dinner, they didn't choose when to go to grandma's, they didn't choose when to brush their teeth, they didn't choose when to go to bed, right? In a lot of homes, they don't get to choose any of these things. So I think that we have to remember that we're basically controlling and directing our kids lives 24 fucking seven. And so I want to just bring that back to our collective consciousness to say, what can we let go of? What can we give control to them Mm -hmm. about? Mm -hmm. Right. Or at least can we hold the fact and get real with our kid that this is the mom and mom or mom and dad or mom and grandma or whatever show, Mm -hmm. or that the freedom around a particular thing, which we have our freedoms model, which we're redesigning. It should be up soon again. Um, is saying these 10 freedoms right now, your freedom to learn is not quite yours. I have to take you to this place so that mm-hmm. I can work and support our family. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we can find a way to honor that freedom to learn at this daycare, right? Mm-hmm. Or your freedom to move. You are not wanting to get in the car. You want to move your body and you don't want to sit still. I'm so sorry, but I have to, I can't honor your freedom to move right now. I have to help you into your car seat. So we can't always give our kids the freedoms they deserve, but what we can do is remind them that they deserve those freedoms Mm -hmm. and that they can still continue to advocate for those freedoms, Mm -hmm. that that is okay and safe to do and welcome and real about it. I think that's what we're scared about. Often Often we're like, oh gosh, I kind of just want to be like, everything's fine. This is how life should roll. You're doing what you need and I'm doing what I need. Instead of saying life for you is really hard right now because I'm, I'm controlling these things or these things have to happen this way, and I am so sorry. Yeah. Tell me about it. I'm gonna acknowledge the inequity, like the inequality, mm-hmm. the, the hierarchy that is in our homes, right? Mm-hmm. How did frog get up here? I'll tuck it back, our old dog. Yeah, so we kind of went on a little tangent here, but hopefully that helps a little bit when we're, when we're thinking about all of these things, saying it can be both. We can honor our kids and respect their freedoms, their freedom to resist their freedom to do all of these things there. We can acknowledge that maybe we're breaking consent in certain ways or that we're trying so hard to, to build a culture of consent in our home. And we have to do these certain things. We're struggling to let certain things go or certain things need to happen, right? It can be both. And that is that messy middle that we work with. um, with so many folks and that we're still working on um, in our parenting and in our lives as well. So we're doing it alongside you for sure. Someone said suggestions for being productive with two under two. My daughter's almost two and then my son is one and they're into everything and sometimes hurt each other unless I'm right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that so much about it and this is probably what Kelsey would say. I often know what Kelsey would say before I know what I would say. Um, Oh, someone first said their freedom to be 30 minutes late for grade one. I mean, a freedom, they have a freedom to resist going somewhere that they don't want to, or resist being rushed somewhere, right? That's the freedom to choose when we talk about transitions this, um, but they don't necessarily have a freedom to be late, so that could end up happening, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen. So much about this is finding that middle way and saying, Can we acknowledge the freedom and still move through with the day-to-day? That's that fine line that we support parents in getting to. Okay, back to this one. So two under two, you're wanting to be productive, but they will not leave anything alone or each other alone. And I was gonna say your first thing that you would say, Kelty, would say, You need to redefine what productivity productivity is. Yeah. Right. So, why don't you just answer the question? (laughs) I mean, this, it it comes, it goes right in line with Uh, the radical acceptance we've been dipping into through this, this, you know, video and podcast episode. But, and it's something that maybe all of us, especially in those early years of parenting and parenting through a pandemic, was faced with this idea of productivity to me through my capitalistic conditioning often is is measured by certain things it can be by work it can be by housework it can be by right. its results it's achievement right it's, it's checking, checking off a to-do it's list meeting other people's expectations yeah right it's it's all of those things and i think that that part of this kind of great unlearning that we're doing part of this reparenting that we're doing some of this this de-schooling that we're doing in a really big way as parents um kind of parenting outside this paradigm of control is saying, how can we redefine our, our sense of productivity, especially with two under two, man, what is your job when you have two under two, but to care for two under two, yeah. you literally should not have anything else on your plate. And the fact that you do is not your fault. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you maybe want to do other things is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. It's all the things, yeah. right? But our culture doesn't prioritize in saying, oh, someone with two under two should literally only be caregiving. They shouldn't have to do dishes. They that's, shouldn't have that's to. That's like it's a solid managed a nanny or caregiving right. location ratio right there is two ch- children, <laughs> babies under two to one grown up human being who yeah. literally should do nothing but just focus on right. caregiving. Well, and them. this person says, "I hear that, and I'm choosing them first always." But man, my house is a mess, absolutely. And so that's what's so beautiful. You are on it. You get it. Mm-hmm. You're you're there. You're like, this is fucked up. These expectations that mm-hmm. are put on me to care give, which is mm-hmm. child focused, and to do. All of the house stuff as well mm-hmm. this is not a job that one person should be doing so i just want to mm-hmm. validate that you are going above and beyond and doing multiple jobs here mm-hmm. so bravo to you and every other parent who is basically parenting because we're all doing a million jobs that mm-hmm. should be paid for like or be paying us right mm-hmm. um, low expectations and happily surprised anything you can get done oh love that oh idea. totally love it but it's yeah. so hard like i mean i i went through the same thing where I, i'm a virgo we're, our birthday is tomorrow like we, I'm like hospital corners used to be, I'm kind of a reformed uh, <laughs> uh, person, but, um, I think so much about it when people would say, just lower your expectations, Just let stuff go, just like stopping so easy on yourself perfect and on top of it. And just I was just like, like I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah. Like it is, it is such a, an unlearning, as you say, in a process, right. To let those things go and to to ch- kind of choose and recognize the the um, I don't know the opportunity mm-hmm. and the 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 beauty in saying I'm going to focus on this one thing and it goes against mm-hmm. all these other things and it makes me look unproductive it makes me look slovenly it makes me feel uncomfortable because mm-hmm. things are disorganized yeah. and to say I have to accept that this is the way things are and when I can accept that this is how they are then I can say what can I do yeah. right what can be done. And it's not putting more pressure on a two-year-old and a one-year-old to get along with each other or to be less needy, right? Mm-hmm. It's saying, what can we do when we're rest, they're asleep, and we're figuring shit out, and we're like, okay, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Is it dealing with the environment, paring down toys, sectioning off areas that they can be in mm-hmm. where they're not going to be? getting into stuff, right, and destroying things? Mm-hmm. Is it separating the two-year-old and the one-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. So working on your routine is it instead putting, your environment. Is it putting pressure on our partner to pick up some slack? Is it farming sure. laundry out or, or some other kind of house type of work. Is it minimizing laundry and toys and all mm-hmm. the things so that you're not having to, to feel the pressure to be to laboring that we all go on home as stuff as well as laboring to be caregiving for your kids. Yeah. And I right. want to say something too, that we were talking with our business coach a couple days ago, Kate Holly, who's so awesome and department of community is also an amazing coach. Mm-hmm. We've heard such amazing things about them. Um, but really it was, <laughs> she was helping us kind of redefine this belief that we had and i think this comes up so often when we're thinking i'm being so unproductive i'm just child caring and i'm just here with the kids and i'm just doing dishes and laundry and it's piling up and needs 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 and we get into that negative thinking of i'm not doing what i need to do i'm not getting checks checking off to do i'm not getting a paycheck Mm -hmm. i'm not getting pats on the back i'm not getting validation i'm not getting a nice review I'm not getting a bonus. I'm not getting any of these things that our society kind of prizes for for these other jobs and these other mm-hmm. worker bee type situations, mm-hmm. but not caregiving. And I think that a lot of what we talked about with her was how can we reframe what we're doing? How can we say in our, in our, in our mind, what I'm doing is so valuable. What I'm doing is worth so much. What I'm doing is so productive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel productive always. But it's so productive. Everything I do, every butt I wipe, every toy I pick up, every dish I do, and every dish I don't do is incredible. also love it. Every time I sit and sip my coffee instead of fucking laboring around my house mm-hmm. so that it can just look better for what, right? Mm-hmm. That's valuable too. And I think so much about this groom's garden who wrote in this question is saying they said I'm finally looking into hiring a mother's helper, so I guess this confirms my need for that. No, I've heard mother's mother's helper. helper. That sounds amazing. One of them, right? I think I was your mother's helper. You were my mother's (laughs) helper, which I mean, we'd be so lucky. I know. Absolutely. But I think so much about it is saying needs. Let's get down to the needs. Your two and one year old need you. They need to hit each other. They need to get into things. That's their job. That's their job. That's their imperative right now. Their their developmental imperative. Great. Let's got to, got to accept that and honor it. And then what are, what is our need? Our need is to. What is it? Is it order? Is it security? Is it validation? Um, validation? What is it? I remember so much about it for, for us was our partners just recognizing, I see you, I see what you're doing. Wow. That is fucking hard. Wow. That is a lot. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I see you doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Or I see this thing and you told me you don't want to do it anymore. Okay. I'll do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of us figuring out what, what do we need in those moments? Right. Can really help. Can really help. And I think going to the, from the need, you can say, what is the negative thought I'm having? My house is a mess. Okay. So what's the need under that, right? Under that feeling and that can't get anything done. Right. So what's the need? What do you want to get done? Yeah. Yeah. Lauren said, so three-year-old recently screams at us, either you can't tell me what to do or I hate you. Anytime we ask him to do anything, Try to transition him or literally can't give into a request so when you do those tired things, tired of saying wow yeah. oh, you seem really angry right now or what can we do to help him move on uh from this language mm-hmm. so triggering to hear those phrases constantly mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so Bria. sorry lauren that's it. so tricky with that we call it high energy talk high energy language so mm-hmm. we don't putting a judgment on it we're saying it has an energy to it when mm-hmm. our kids say Go die somewhere. You can't tell me what to do. I hate mm-hmm. you. Or when we they use that language to a sibling or another person, mm-hmm. it's really triggering to us because we, when we were around that language or used that language mm-hmm. as kids, were were treated with a, probably a lot of also high energy feelings right? Mm-hmm. So those words really trigger something in our bodies that we experienced as kids that makes us feel very unsafe. Or right? he wants food that you don't have, for example, yeah. he wanting to ride his bike without a helmet. Sure. So you ask him, so with the helmet on, or he wants food you don't have. So you right. haven't got it. Ugh. And so I think so much too, and Lauren, you really know, you've been in a, uh, several of our, um, our small group coaching groups where we talk deeply about like, why is our child doing this? Mm -hmm. it's developmentally normal that a three-year-old will be like, I'm gonna have big feelings about this that I might Mm -hmm. not be able to control. Mm -hmm. It would be normal for a three-year-old to say, I'm very sensitive and the very simple and respectful way you put that limit up that you have to put the helmet on or that we don't have another cookie or that we need to Mm -hmm. leave now, it feels very intense to me. And so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna really lose my shit based Mm -hmm. on that. And I need it to be, even more subtle than whatever it is you're I was gonna using. say, yeah, it could be so many different reasons. I think that, that it could our, be that I'm tired. I was gonna say when yeah, our when our kids burn up, when our kids lose it that big. I think we always have to think feedback. Okay, what does this mean? Meaning, what is what are they needing? First of all, like you always point to Hannah, what's going on in their body? Are we regulating their nervous systems? Are we supporting their body's um, integration and feeling comfortable physically? So that's what's really hard at a lot of transitions because you're like, we need to get him on the fucking bike so he can regulate his nervous system, <laughs> yeah. but we're stuck at the helmet. Oh! Or we need to get to the park, but they won't get in the car. we got to get to the park, right? And I think those are good times that we can lean into, hang you upside down by your feet. Can we wheelbarrow walk you to the car? Can I tickle hold you under my arm as we swing towards the bike or the whatever it is? Once we've been burned a number of times, we're like, gosh, this keeps being a thing. Gosh, this time keeps being a thing. Gosh, this This keeps being a thing. I love that, Kilti. And when that big language comes up, Mm where they're like, I hate you because of that very reasonable Mm -hmm. limit you had to set Mm -hmm. or chose to set for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, we can just say, those are those big feelings that are in their body. They're represented Mm -hmm. by stress or a need or a feeling Mm -hmm. that's coming out. And we have to reframe our, our vision to say, Mm -hmm. I'm welcoming this. I'm creating safety. I'm not saying and condoning mean language. What we're Mm -hmm. actually doing with our kids, especially in these early years, is saying they don't even know what words they're using. We're not teaching them those words. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is what's going on inside that's driving Mm -hmm. those words is real, Mm -hmm. and it's safe and it's okay, and you're going to get through this. And I want to so with the response, if you're struggling, Lauren, to say what do I say, and it makes it worse, which I can very often inflame kids to say you're really angry and you wanted that thing. So we're we're you know, um, In an attempt to validate, we're, it can become we're inflammatory. translating, yeah. we're validating, and that can make things worse often. And it can also make us feel extra frustrated. Mm-hmm. So something Kelty and I always suggest is just say less, just nod. In those moments yeah. when it gets really big and we're struggling and they're struggling, just nod. Mm-hmm. Just turn away for a moment and just regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. And just let it go for a moment and I think that's that's an in the moment work and I think that the outside the moment work is something you mentioned this language feels like a habit right now Mm -hmm. though and my attempt to supply him with more accurate Mm -hmm. language in the moment or in a circle back doesn't seem to work Mm -hmm. I would say that the secondary work you have is to let go of those words they don't mean anything he's not gonna be a bully he's not gonna be a deviant he's not gonna not learn kind words to express his needs Right? They're all normal. So I would stop trying to supply him with more accurate or more respectful language in the moment or after. And you know he's so sensitive. He may very well notice that you're trying to give him other words and tell him he can't use those, which then makes him actually maybe want to use and experiment with those words even more. So I think what we like to say is when our kids are using really high energy words, we don't want to empower them by saying, that is so bad to say, or you need to say this instead, which I know you're not going that hard on him, Lauren, Mm -hmm. but even in, in our way of, of kind Mm -hmm. of like, you mean you really want it's saying, don't say that, which basically increases the energy of those words. And so, and the power. And so what we usually want to do is to disempower those words and to support those words Mm -hmm. by just letting them exist and moving past them. Mm -hmm. And when we can move past those words, that allows our kids to move past those words. Mm -hmm. And when we can just be holding the feeling instead of focusing on the words that helps them hold that feeling too, and get Mm -hmm. over and through that fear, honestly, not even holding the feeling. If you're struggling in the moment with your kids, high energy, negative hateful Mm -hmm. quote-unquote language (laughs) like hannah said just write it out baby do your deep breathing do your nodding right you don't need to re reaffirm the limit or come back to on what he what he was needing and say it over and over Mm -hmm. simplify the moment with your nodding and your safe securing presence and then like you said in the circle back later as opposed to saying so maybe you could i'm not saying you did this necessarily but a lot of us do Maybe you could say it this way instead, or when you yell, that hurts mommy's feelings. Or when you say these words, I can't understand you. Can you say that you need this instead? We don't have to Or do here's why a helmet's important or any of those things. We can then just say, what I was hearing was this. That's actually supplying our kids with the right words. When you yeah. said you hated me, that gave me the impression that maybe you didn't like that you had to wear a helmet. What could we do? Mm-hmm. My concern about the helmet is, helps keep your head safe. Yeah. What's your concern about its it? Is it- scraping you. I know he's sensitive emotionally, maybe he's sensitive physically too. Mm-hmm. I used to hate helmets. They always pulled too hard. <clears throat> I was worried about, you know, squeezing this little soft part of my neck. I didn't like how they rubbed on my on my ear. Helmets sucked, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which probably accounts for the fact the number, the vast number of kids I see riding with no helmets who get are like under 5 years old, I literally stop at every single one whether I'm driving or walking and I say, how's it going? Oh my gosh, where's your helmet? And Hannah's just like, how you just keep walking? And the grandparent or parent always says, they don't want to put it on. And I'm like, no shit. They're like three years old. No one wants to put a helmet on when they're three. Yeah. That is something we will institute and use control about is their safety. Yeah. But I think that that idea of, you know, Lauren said like, I'm just tired from this like eight times a day. And I've experienced the same thing lately. My kids have gotten in this, my mm-hmm. like six year old and eight year old in this thing where they're just talking crap at each other, especially my daughter, just berating my son. And it is so triggering for me. Kelsey mm-hmm. and I never spoke that way with each other. It feels so unsafe to mm-hmm. me to hear that type of language. And I've had to actually be honest with my daughter because I, 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 she could feel the tension. She could feel that it wasn't feeling good to me. And I had to say, this, this talk that you're expressing yourself and to my son, I'm like, I know that's not real. Like she's struggling, whatever it is. So I'm not giving more power to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And making him a victim. But I'm like, it's just kind of wearing on me a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go in the other room or I just go in the other room. Right. If it's going to exacerbate it even more, just keep taking that personal space and get what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And Lauren says, but it's actually still a safe experience, even though internally it feels unsafe to me. Yeah. And that's the big catch 22 we have to do as parents is to try somehow to make shitty feeling situations feel safe for our kids when they feel totally unsafe to us. Mm -hmm. That is like a huge piece of our work. And some of the hardest part of our work Mm -hmm. is saying, how can I be working on creating safety for myself? Self-regulating emanating safe. This is okay. This is all right so that our kids can feel that too. So that they're not traumatized by situations, feeling alone, feeling shame, feeling judgment, which makes me wonder what that mantra would be for you, Lauren, right? She said, you said, this is so good. I think I feel like I'm ignoring a huge fire or something when I just nod, breathe and smile. It feels like you're not tending to the child. It feels like you're not standing up for something that feels unsafe. It feels like you're not acting. And so I think reframing to say, what can I do? That's acting. That's actually going to be productive for them. And for me, another redefining of activity right. here. Exactly. What's that action going to look like for me? Is the action going to be um, doing a couple push-ups really quick? <laughs> Is that action going to be nodding and going? Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. And like getting some voice out, which feels really good and can actually kind of sometimes snap them out of it a little bit. Cause they're like, what's mm-hmm. mom doing? Like, you're not struggling. You're like, Why are you climbing like this <laughs> while I'm freaking out? Yeah, Cuz <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> Cuz it lifts my spirit. Yeah. Right? What kind of grounding techniques can you be doing that mm. can support you and make you feel productive? Or can you be rewriting those deep breaths are productive? Right. Nodding is my superpower. It's not right passive. It's this productive. is not passive. This is not being a doormat to negative language. This is productive for my child to feel safe in his feelings, mm-hmm. but that's a tricky feels really tricky, especially with, with our sons. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a big trust fall, right. To let mm-hmm. that shit go a little bit yeah. to remember and yeah. really take, um, comfort in all of the work we're doing and the power of our influence behind the scenes consistently all the time. Mm-hmm. Lauren, you are so respectful and so kind and mm-hmm. gentle and patient and mm-hmm. Of course, because we're not getting gold stars for every time we model the appropriate thing for our kids, when our kids then show us some high energy language that scares Mm -hmm. us and triggers us, Mm -hmm. right? We don't have that, those, you know, um, kind of accolades to fall back on, to be like, no, no, I've been doing a really good job at this. So it's going to all balance out. We don't have that. So I think another thing you could do would be to write down all the shit you're doing. That's supporting and influencing your child Mm -hmm. to understand their feelings, to communicate their feelings. All of that That stuff that your child's getting. And I think that as parents, we tend to look at our kids' behavior as the barometer for our success. Yeah. And I think that if we can be redefining that too and saying, doesn't even matter what my kid is doing at all. My success as a parent is defined by how hard I'm working. Mm -hmm. Not what I do every time, all my perfect words, all my perfect actions, but the awareness I'm building, whether I'm fucking up or nailing it according to me, that's the measure of my own personal success how i'm showing how up. i'm showing up what i'm doing not whether my kid is respectful and nice back <clears throat> or tells me to go to hell i mean when you think about it with a 3 year old is using high energy language like we have to keep remembering that we can be putting out so much modeling and positive language and mm-hmm. you know emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and they can still be using high energy language and mm-hmm. verbally abusing us and other people mm-hmm. we have to keep remembering that it, for example, when they're learning how to speak, they're going to be speaking in little garbled fractions of things, even though we are basically speaking Spottling. completely yeah. in complete sentences that are getting in there and teaching them how to ultimately speak. So we have to remember that the, our kids are basically f- uh, several steps behind what we're putting out, yeah. right? We did. We also have to remember that we're not doing this whole respectful parenting thing think, imagining that our kids are going to be speaking respectfully and acting respectfully to us right now. And that being the purpose of it, mm-hmm. the purpose is that our kids deserve the respect mm-hmm. period. Right. And we, we were on someone's podcast recently and they kind of raised their child, they're both their kids as babies through the rye um, kind of lens and respectful uh, baby stuff. And, yeah. and actually we sort of discovered through the interview that they really thought that that meant that their kids would be really high emotional intelligence and not have outbursts and not be difficult. scream and be difficult and resist and all those things. And we've told her, no, this is good. you created a space and a freedom for them to be themselves authentically. It's the parents who are potentially over controlling and censoring their kids who look the most quote unquote, respectful in public on play dates to their parents that say, please. And thank you. And do all those things because they don't have the freedom and the autonomy to be themselves, right? Especially at home where we should all be free to be ourselves, yeah. right? But it's just a reminder that mm-hmm. it's, we're playing the long game here, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we're modeling respectful, um, behaviors and respectful languages and, and a family kind of unit that we want to our kids to replicate in their own lives and want to be inspired by, it's not going to happen right away. Our kids are brains are still developing. Our kids are still going to sc- scream. Hopefully mm-hmm. they're still going to resist. Hopefully. still going to say no a lot hopefully we want that for them we want that, and that's that's the second big part of our work is is holding space for all of those when we feel like we're doing everything right and we see our kids doing what feels to us like everything wrong we're on the right track it's okay it's okay yeah it's great in fact (laughs) right and we're here to reframe that with you consistently all the time because we're reframing those same things for ourselves Mm -hmm. this is such a healing. Hi, hey, Sonia. Sonia. That is such a, it's such a healing thing to be here and talking with you all and hearing these challenges you mm-hmm. have where it's not like we're sitting here being like, oh, they have that challenge. We're mm-hmm. here being like, oh my God, that me too. Me too. We're all in this together. We're mm-hmm. all growing up together. We're all figuring this stuff out. We're reframing these challenges as opportunities. We're looking at our child, not in a pathological way and without trust, but actually with with optimism and with, with trust and with respect, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at our role as not some perfect, held you know to high standards thing, and also not this winging it, shouldn't have to know anything, but that in the middle of saying, can we be growing up alongside our child? Mm-hmm. Can we be figuring this stuff out and trying again and again and again, right? That's the practice that we're advocating because that's the practice that we're, we're parenting and that we're on yeah. alongside you. So Monday is a really big day because it marks the open enrollment doors open for our new membership community called the upbringing collective doors are going to be open on the 19th through the 25th at our kind of like founders pricing level. Mm -hmm. And we're just really excited, especially to have all of you here who are listening on the podcast and who show up at all of our live Q and A's and share your lives and connect with us. And have been in all our small group coaching groups to just be in a bigger community off Instagram with us. I mean, I don't know. I feel like our birthday's tomorrow. We're turning 40 and I feel like, we're not big fanfare birthday people. I mm-hmm. can't even imagine having a birthday alone where I had to just like have all of that <laughs> attention. And I think when I think about what I want for my birthday, I just want to be in community with all of you in a real way where mm-hmm. we're actually able to connect like on screen weekly mm-hmm. and and get to know each other where we're able mm-hmm. to leave chats and, and threads mm-hmm. and pictures and updates for one another. Like we've gotten to know a lot of you really well the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, Here on Instagram and on the podcast and it's been so meaningful and I just feel like it's such Mm -hmm. a um, I just feel so grateful to be able to kind of take this to the next level where we can actually really do a lot more work With a lot more of you um, All together. Yeah, Yeah. so what's the kind of upbringing collective all about? Well, it's that space. It's that safe space It's an inclusive community where we do coaching so weekly coaching with us Mm -hmm. Um, and where we also have that community element with all the people we've got all of the topics and the different forums based on challenge. So we can be jumping in all of those mm-hmm. learning from each other, um, describing our challenges, right. Yeah. Um, giving you guys feedback and ideas. Yeah. It's a big space for solidarity. That was one of yeah. the things that came up the most in all of our small group coaching sessions were up to 10 families or so everyone was just like, I seriously. Mm-hmm. cannot imagine, I could never have imagined how much I'm getting from just being with other parents and hearing them go through some of the similar things that, that I've experienced. There was such a, an incredible, unexpected um, surprise through those groups. And I think it's just going to be getting better through through our yeah. upbringing collective. I think a lot of folks um, who listen to the podcast and have been on here on these lives also You know, you've been working the Instagram, what we've been offering, which is those side-by-sides, which is these live Q and A's where we take a little bit of, of your challenges, but Kelsey and I are really just spinning our twin stuff improv style. Mm -hmm. And I think that so much about this community is saying, can we be more intentionally in community with you in supporting you with your specific challenges, with your specific unique kids, bedtime, real time transitions, like what came up to we actually take some of that, that, that you know, that stress and that responsibility off your plate and hold it with you and saying, let's get in there. Let's figure this out with you. Right. The type of stuff that I was so grateful to have Kelsey with, and she was so grateful to have me for Mm -hmm. in just having someone there to support them through those, those, those tricky times when you're like, I feel lost. I don't know. I'm going to try something, but I don't know. Right? I like that. It's that kind of like I've got your back feel. And also I'm like, kicking you in the butt to like (laughs) keep going, feel. Yeah, you need both of those. I've needed both of those for sure. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a tandem process for Mm -hmm. sure. So yeah, Monday, our upbringing collective community coaching launches, we're so excited about it. You can access it on your phone, on your laptop, with a partner, you make a little profile, get to know everyone in the community, log on to all of our weekly lives where we can like hash out all the stuff that you're going through. Yeah. And then, then share in the forums all your yeah. Show. There are all of these different topic threads. Like I said, mealtimes, bedtimes, transitions, parenting in the wild, big feelings, tantrums, that high energy language, like verbal stuff, mm-hmm. physical aggression, like hitting, throwing, biting, all those things. Yeah. And all this spans a huge age group, right? All of our groups have been between like a year old and like 13 years old. It's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're just excited to be there in community growing up alongside you all, growing up al- alongside our kids through these through these challenges mm-hmm. slash opportunities. Yeah, so check out the link in our bio, mm-hmm. check out the link in our show notes if you're listening on the podcast mm-hmm. to learn more. Reach out with any questions that you have about mm-hmm. the community. Um, Lauren said that she cannot sign up fast enough. Oh, yay, we're wait. excited to have you with us, Lauren, and so many other folks who we know who've signed mm-hmm. on today. Um, it's pretty cool, pretty cool, this community. I feel yeah. really, really lucky. Let to go get my kids off their screens now. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Alright, everybody being here, everyone. Yep. For those um, DMs that are a little bit left, we'll try to respond this yeah, week. We have a few longer ones, so we'll pull those up into our story this week. Yeah. Hang in everybody. Thank you so much for being here. We're all showing up and growing up together. Doing an amazing job. You should be really proud of yourself. Thanks. Thank you. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye.